begin. This I'm reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 66. And it says, Thus says the Lord. So straight away we know that it's Yahweh speaking, it's in capitals. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. And this is, it carries on to speak about worship. And the title to this small portion of scripture is True Worship and Force. You turn the page over and it says, he who kills a bull is as if he slays a man. Sacrifice of bulls was accepted by God, but if you do it from the wrong heart, from the wrong motive, it's as though you kill a man. He carries on, this is Yahweh speaking. He who sacrifices a lamb, we know that the sacrificial aspect of Judaism was very much prevalent, and yet he says, he who sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck, he who offers a grain offering, acceptable, but yet he says, as if he offers swine's blood, which is so not acceptable in Judaism. He who burns incense, as if he blesses an idol. And it carries on. And what God is actually speaking to us is that worship is about the attitude of our hearts. We come together and churches, denominations worship in a different way. And if you're here for the first time and it's something different, doctrinally, we're Christians. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We may worship in a different way. We may lift our hands where others may kneel. We may sing songs where others are chanting. The most important thing as we come before Almighty God is the attitude of our hearts, how we worship. You don't even have to open your mouth if you don't want to. But in the secret place of your heart, understand that God is here present. Because he said, if two or three of you are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst. And this morning, I need him more today than I needed him yesterday. And he is the same God. He never changes. And God is here present with us. And he beckons us to come, to come past the outer court and to make our way into the holy place. God is real, and Jesus is coming very soon. And we're coming collectively together to worship him in spirit and in truth. So as we sing these songs, they're not songs. They're our battle cry. They're our victory chant. They're our song in the night. People are struggling in this world that we're living in. Things are changing. Things are shaking. There's a darkness, there's an anxiety. In this country, so many of our young are suffering from depression and anxiety and torment and fears because things are shaking and changing in the spiritual realms. But thank God that God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that took them through the Red Sea when the enemy was on their back and there was no way forward, the same God can take us through our lives 
our challenges, our insecurities, our weaknesses, our fears, and the list goes on and on. Not by might, the scripture says, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Who are you, O great mountain before Zarababel? You shall be made a plain. This mountain shall be removed. It just could be the mountain of fear, the mountain of insecurity, the mountain of despair, finances, anxieties, marriages breaking up, children going to school and somehow being bullied, social media. We face so many challenges and our lives change. We're changeable. Our feelings are changeable, but God is the same. He's the rock of our salvation. He's the rock beneath our feet. He never changes. Trust yourselves to him. Where you cannot trace, trust. Where you don't understand, surrender and keep your eyes fixed. We can almost hear the trumpet sound and the Lord's return is near. He says, when you see these signs, signs of the times, when you see floods, he says, before the coming of the sun, before the coming of Jesus, there's going to be floods, changes in our atmosphere, changes in our climate. There's going to be famines. Look at what's happening with Russia, Ukraine, the grain situation. It's as though we're living in the shadow of the end time famine that is to come. It's all been prophesied in this book and coming to pass. One by one by one, I'm ticking them off. Signs of the time are converging. It's, it's short. If anyone has not come to Jesus, now is not a time to be traveling through this life not knowing Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. If you don't understand, just ask him to show himself real. He's seeking. He's searching. He's calling. The ark is still open. Come, church. Let's be used in a time such as this. One day we're going to stand before him. Everything we've preached, everything we shared, we're going to know the reality. He's more real than you and me. And we have a privilege this morning to come to say, yes, Lord, I don't understand. But yes, Lord, show me. Do something new in my life. He's the same God and he loves you so much. God bless you. Let's come to our message today, which is um, challenges of life. Who hasn't had a challenge in life? If I ask you to put your hand up, I'll be surprised if anyone does not puts their hand up. Who has not had a challenge in life? We've all had uh, things that we need to overcome with Louise's testimony. It's amazing. 30 years ago, they said we've only got six months to live. See, we believe the negative reports all the time. You know, it's... And we act, we become the product of what we believe. And if we accept it, we become the victims of that oftentimes. Sometimes there's reality, sometimes there's a false perception of reality, and we've got to differentiate from the two. Praise God. So we need to take the lessons, draw the lessons from the Word of God, which is amazing. The Word of God is so powerful, so amazing. It's divinely inspired. It's the greatest medicine in the world. Praise God. God is the greatest teacher in the world. So I just want to lay a foundation. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 and verse 9 up to verse 9, and I want to read this. I want us, As we read the Word of God, I want us to think what we're reading, how we process this, and how we apply 
and act according to the word of God. And this is what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. For we do not preach ourselves. And this is what the church has to realize. We're not preaching ourselves. It's not about me. It's about him. Because without him, we can do nothing. He's the center. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's all things, praise God. And that's about Jesus Christ, the Lord. Jesus Christ can change everything. In fact, he changed the known world. As you know, if you look at history from the time of Christ's resurrection and the ministry, Pentecost, the world has never been the same. When Christ enters someone's life, you cannot be the same. When Christ entered my life, really, when I was not, I'm not saying religion entered my life. I'm saying Jesus Christ entered my life. It changes everything. My outlook changed. The way I thought changed. The way I acted changed. The way I responded changed. Before I reacted, then I start responding. Everything changed. You cannot be, if you have divine encounter, you cannot be the same. When Mary, Gabriel spoke to Mary that she'll be, she'll uh, conceive and bear a son. His name will be called Emmanuel, be called the son of God. Uh, from that moment and from that experience, how could her life go to be the same again? How could you revert back to her old lifestyle? Everything had changed about her life. And we today can have the, the, the divine conception of the word of God in our lives and the word can become flesh in us. And once the word becomes flesh in us, we cannot be the same again. Give God the benefit of the doubt. Give God the opportunity to reveal himself to you in the way that you can understand him. We cannot be the same. We can leave here transformed. As I said last week, you were going to leave the church with a different outlook, transformed. And the, the testimonials I, I, I got back, the, the, the reports I received after the message, people, they were looking at things in a different way, which is amazing. That's the purpose of the church, change our outlook. And it says that Jesus Christ, and ourselves, your bondservants for Jesus' sake. We're servants. We serve the greater purpose, the plans of God. Not our agenda, but God's revelation. And verse 6 says this. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In the same way God said, let there be light in the world, the world around us, God says, let there be light in the world inside of us, in our hearts. Because before Christ came, we sit in darkness, and when God speaks in the life, he disperses the darkness, the light comes, and the darkness is dispersed. And what is that light? Jesus' presence. And when God says in Genesis, let there be light, in fact, when you literally translate the Hebrew, it says, let him be light, and who's the him that is the light? He, Jesus says himself, I am the light of the world. And he's speaking on a spiritual level. And it's a prophetic level that Genesis is speaking because it's looking ahead to the fulfillment of what God's intention at the beginning was. Because God intended us to reconcile in Christ from the beginning of creation, from the foundation of the world. He says the Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world because God knew that we needed the medicine before we thought we were sick. Yeah. And so this light shines in our hearts. Because when we read the Bible, we read it in a dark place. There's a veil over eyes. And the only way to truly grasp an understanding of the Word of God is through Jesus Christ, through the lens of the Holy Spirit. So when you come to Jesus Christ, the veil is taken as well. And you see God, how he reveals himself to you and I, not how the world says God is or religion says what God is. God reveals himself in a personal basis level that we can understand him. I wish I'm speaking to someone. Amen. Because often we want to reduce God on our, to our image and our likeness. We want to limit God in relation to our limitations. And God is unlimited. 
God can do more than we can think and understand and even imagine. We don't know everything. We just walk in that revelation of God. God fills all things. We say, He fills all things. Praise God. So God is everywhere. You cannot leave the presence of God. You know, we, 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 don't wait. we don't wait for God to come, turn up. God is already present. His, uh, his, his, his imminent presence is here. His manifest presence may not be experienced and, and seen and observed because we may not be looking in the right way. But his, his, his um, imminent presence is here, whether we like it or not. By virtue of him uh, bringing the world, keeping the world in order, he fills all things. If we ascend to heaven, he's there. We make our bed in Sheol, he's there. Wherever we are, we cannot escape the presence of God. But our attitude determines the, the capacity or relationship we have with God. We can have a good relationship with God, which makes everything comfortable, or we can have a bad uh, relationship with God that brings conviction into our lives and makes it uncomfortable. If you're in a room of someone that you feel that maybe you have offended and you feel a bit of shame, a bit of conviction, it's unpleasant to be in their company. But if you feel someone who really you love and you celebrate and, 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 you, and you support each other, it's a, it's a wonderful, pleasant feeling, emotion. Sometimes family members don't want to be in certain group meetings because they feel they don't like the other member of the family. And when they're there, they feel uncomfortable. I, am I speaking to the wrong people today? I don't know. So if you, have a good, if you have a good perception of God and you love God, you, you celebrate his presence. If somehow you do things that really opposes God's, God's uh, 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 statutes or, 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 or way, way that he wants you to live, you'll be uncomfortable. You'll be unpleasant for us. He feels all things, praise God. So, so we think we, God comes to us. We move in God. Amen. God feels all things. He's at the back there as well as he's here. So if I leave from here, go to there, he's still here, but he's there as well at the same time. Amen? Let's get that concept in your mind that God is always present. The, the, the skill is to, is, is to open our spiritual eyes to actually see his presence in every situation. Even when in our struggle, he's there. Even when we're on the mountain, he's there. And when we're in the valley, he's there also at the same time. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. How, what will happen? They should see God. Because you don't see God with these eyes, you see God with these eyes. You see, so if you're in the valley, he's there in the valley with you at the same time. If you're in the mountain, he's on the mountain, peak of the mountain at the same time. David said, ye though walk for the valley of the shadow of death, I will, not, I will fear no evil. For you are? And your rod and the, your staff, they? You're with me in that valley. You're with me on the peak of the mountain. The skill is for me is to see you in those different environments, in those different situations and circumstances of my life. Praise God. And then he says, verse 7 says this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. You're vessels and you want the holy power of God to dwell within you. And that's why John says, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, he says, examine yourselves. He says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless you are disqualified? So the, the thing that qualifies us to be Christians, if you like, is who's within us. That's what confirms 
that who we say we are, that he's in us. Otherwise, we have a form of godliness and no power. And the church, the purpose of the church is to bring that reality about. The purpose of, of the preaching of the Girigman is to bring the reality that you can have a personal relationship with God. You don't need any mediator outside of Jesus Christ to have that relationship with God. It's your prayers, your hearts, your attitude that determines your altitude and determines your relationship with God. I don't determine your relationship with God. However good a friend you are to me, you're not going to get closer to God. Is you have to have the desire, openness in your heart to say, Lord, reveal yourself to me personally. And things begin to change, praise God. This is why it says we need to examine, is Christ in us? How do we know Christ is us? Because our behavior changes and aligns with his behavior and his attitudes. And we, ex- we, we, we demonstrate his attributes through our everyday interactions. Oh, what do I mean by this? I mean our, way, our lifestyle changes. What we, the way we used to think before now is different. We might have been, we might have been uh, embittered. Now we have the sweetness of the love of God in our lives. Things begin to change from within. That's why in the book of Revelation, which is actually written for the church, often, we, often people use it as an evangelical tool, which may not be wrong. But really it's for us as believers to really look at the book of Revelation and see how we align to what the, what the Lord is speaking, saying to his people, the people call, him, call themselves his people. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, he makes an interesting statement here. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. What door does he stand? It's not the physical door of the building. It's the door of your hearts. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, what? Hold it a second, but I'm a Christian. But how comes you outside if I call myself a Christian and a member of your church? He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice uh, and opens the door, and you, the, 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 the focus is opens the door. On opening the door, you open the door. He says, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. He wants to enter and and make his abode in our hearts. So we can call ourselves something, but we may not be that which we call ourselves if our way of life contradicts and conflicts what that, what we call ourselves is. You get that later when you get home, perhaps. Praise God. So coming back to uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse, let's go to verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. But the Apostle Paul makes this statement after he says that the power of God is in us. Think about that. See, he says, he says we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. It's he who is in us that helps us overcome all this adversity and all this challenge and opposition. It's the, 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 the thing is, whether we're crushed or not, is dependent on who's with us and in us determines outcomes. Who's centering your life, who's established, who's enthroned in our hearts makes the difference, praise God. And if you feel, if you can identify with these type of adversities and challenges, you're in good company. Because Jesus Christ, he's the first to experience all these things coming into the world. He was rejected. Uh, He's the stone that the builders rejected. Praise God. Let me just qualify these things. I want you to think, please, do some reflection on what we're saying here. Don't just think about what these words mean. What is God saying to us on this morning? 
What's the lesson that God wants to teach us, leave, that he wants us to leave with today, on this day, praise God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says this. Coming to him as the, to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God, and precious. So your standing, your spiritual status is not dependent on people's approval. Your relationship with God is not dependent on anything else but you, your attitude, your desire, and what's in your heart. Because the world can take your material things away from you, can reject you, can also persecute you, but it cannot take your connection with God. And, 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 the, prof, and the, the prophecy tells us, this is taken from Psalm 118, verse 22. It says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. So the, reflection, the, the rejection turned around for the advantage to the one who has been rejected. Persecution and adversity is not the end, it's a process for something greater. Huh. Yeah? It's a process for something greater. And Psalm 118, verse 20, 18, verse 24 concludes by saying, This is the day the Lord has made. He will, we will rejoice and be glad in it. So, what is God is saying to me to re rejoice in my adversity? Is God saying to me, rejoice in my struggle? If we have a, a, a spiritual outlook and, 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 and a desire to know God and to, and to uh, see through the eyes of the Spirit, then yes, God is saying rejoice what you go through because what the end is greater than the beginning. Your latter will be greater than the former. God has great things on the horizon for all of us. And perhaps these are the stepping stones to get us closer to where God wants us to be. And the prophets in the Old Testament, the patriarchs, the eminent men and women of the Old Testament, all had to go through their sojourn, through their adversity, through their struggle, through their difficulty, in order to get to where God wanted them to be. And that difficulty was there purposely built into their journey to make them better and stronger. And sometimes God builds adversity and challenge in our lives, not to destroy us, but to empower us. And there's some adversities that cannot take advantage of you and I because they're only there to show, to show the adversity that who we are in God and who God is with us. The key is do not give up. Keep persevering. Have a tenacious spirit. Say, come hell or high water, I'm going to continually press on and get to where God wants me to be. Be tenacious with your attitude. Grit your teeth and do not give up because God has greater things for you, praise God. And God gives his challenges to his people, but with him in the midst of the process. You know, when at the time of Noah, if we look in uh, Genesis chapter 6 following, and we see when the humanity rebelled against God, did their own thing. There's only one family that kept faith to know the true God, the God of creation, the creator. And that was Noah and his family. He gave him one of the most difficult tasks to do in the desert. And sometimes God gives you things that you don't understand the purpose behind it. Why am I doing this? And sometimes you feel you're going the long way around, but really it's the short way. Why am I doing this? And the, the, the calculation, the time scale, the period of, 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 of Noah um, preparing the ark, it's 
some calculated to the 120 years that's mentioned in Genesis chapter 6 verse 3. But it doesn't matter how long it is, the fact that God gave him that, he was faithful to the letter to, to God's instruction, that's what really mattered. It wasn't the outcome. Detach yourself from outcome. Be in the moment and serve God in today's moment. What does God want from you? What does God want to reveal through your lives? What impact that God wants you to have in your surroundings, in your, in your community, wherever you find yourself? What does God want to do within your life? And that does not depend on people understanding it, people approving it, or people uh, applauding you. We want people to applaud us. We want the likes all the time. We want to be liked all the time. But sometimes we may not be liked. What do we do when we're not liked, when we're, when we're, when we're fixated on always wanting our ego massaged? I'm trying to tune in because I know people from different layers here. I don't know if you're visiting for the first time, but please bear with me because we got, we're going somewhere with this. Okay? So being unpopular with the world, is, that's not... That's not what it's at. That's not the, that's not the problem. It's, it's how we relate to God, ultimately for eternal well-being. Amazing, amazing. So, sometimes, so as the psalmist says, this is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. So whatever I've been through, God has used it as fuel to get me to a better place. That's the fuel. Use whatever challenge you have had in life, whatever difficulty, as fuel to become better for it. And with God in you, all things are possible unto those who believe. We're believing on this day for God to do amazing things. King David was not without his adversities. King David was, out his, was not without his afflictions. He self-afflicted himself as well. Sometimes we harm ourselves, self-harm, and we don't, we don't define it in that way because we think we want to do something good, but ultimately we have a meltdown or we have a spiritual uh, bankruptcy or spiritual shipwreck, and sometimes we self-afflict us by doing the wrong things, being in the wrong place at the wrong time, and being a victim of, of, of things outside of our control. Yeah? But God can turn those things as well, turn them up, upside down in their head and make it for the better for us if we love him and we're called according to his divine purpose. And we've got to start trusting him and say, Lord, uh, and it's about waking up spiritually in life. We know, we know everything about the flesh. We know the capabilities of the flesh. We know the, the, how, how evil the flesh can be. We know how, how bad things we can get ourselves caught up in. But we need to start discovering about the spiritual side of life, What's how, how to deal with the, with the damages of life. The problems of life. Amen. Praise God. So David was not without his adversity and challenges. And he made the statement in Psalm 34 verse 19. He made this statement. He says this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The righteous are those who have a desire to be faithful, to, to have a spiritual relationship with God. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. So... It doesn't take away the affliction, but it delivers him out of that affliction. And the affliction, through that affliction, we learn many, many less lessons. We become students of life's challenges and life's afflictions. Amen. And we see if you will look up through the directory of everything that David went through. King David, he was hounded by Saul, the first king of Israel, wanted to kill him. He wouldn't touch the, the anointed of the Lord. We see his son Absalom came against him, wanted to kill him. He didn't 
he didn't bite go for the bait. And God dealt with the situation. That grieved David. The way God dealt with it, David was unhappy because his son died and he wept bitterly. But sometimes God does things, takes over our control because he sees the bigger picture. We're limited. We, can often, we cannot often look beyond our nose. But God sees the bigger picture, the different, wider. And we need to just trust and look through the eyes of the Spirit of God. You know, and so and his son Solomon tells us this. He says, he says, Solomon tells us in Proverbs 24, verse 16, for the righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. I don't know how many times you have fallen. I've perhaps lost count through my life. I may be still trying to get up. We fall, but we rise. Yeah, we fall, but we rise. The problem is not falling. The problem is have the, the desire to rise to get up, praise God, to go when you feel naturally you cannot go. You need the few, the Holy Spirit to help us, assist us on our journey, praise God, to get to a better place, amen? So whatever you're encountering in your life today, I pray that you carry on persevering, get up. If you've slipped, if you've stumbled, get up, dust yourself down and carry on moving on, going from glory to glory to be everything that God wants you to be, praise God. We see many examples of the eminent men, the patriarchs, the prophets of the Old Testament, go through their own personal adversity. We see the three Jewish boys in Babylon with Daniel. They won't bow, bow down to the golden statue. And King Nebuchadnezzar wants his, his threat with the threat that they'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. They'd rather the fiery furnace than bow down to a false idol. And God turns it around, turns it on its head. Because when the men bound them hand and foot, and throw them into the fiery furnace. And they, and they increase the heat seven times uh, intense than it is the heat. And they throw them to the fiery furnace. The men outside are consumed by the same fire that's intended to kill Meshach, Shachbach, and Abednego. Wow. It comes back on them. If you roll a stone or a rock, it rolls back on you. If you dig a pit, you fall into the pit that you've dug for someone else. And that's what happened to them. It came back on them, praise God. If you're faithful to God, everything will work out for the best if you, if you love the Lord. And I want to encourage you today, cal 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 calculate, calculate that love of God, praise God. Amen. And while they were in the fiery furnace... Not just themselves, but the king saw that there wasn't only three, there was four men in the fiery furnace. And one was, he says, like the son of God. And through your adversity, people will see Jesus Christ through your life. And that's what you trust on, that you don't become like everyone else. Become embittered, become angry, become negative, resentful, because things have not worked out the way you have planned them. Maybe they're yes, maybe you're right, they haven't worked out the way you have planned them. Perhaps, though, they have worked out the way God has planned them for you, to bring a greater glory, to glorify himself. And that's what Paul begins to say. When we read our first verse, it says in verse, it says in verse 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, it says, for we do not preach ourselves. So perhaps it hasn't worked out for you. Perhaps God is using you as the platform, as the pulpit to preach himself into the world. Because he had to get you out of your way that you people can see him and not just see you. Huh. Praise God. Hallelujah, praise God. And so people came to believe because of their, of their faith, staunch faith in 
the, their God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, praise God. And we see that we're living in such times now. Everyone is trying to encourage us or force us to deny our, our spiritual identity, deny the God, the true God. The whole system around us is trying to take away the rug from under our feet to say, you cannot speak about Jesus anymore. You don't have any values anymore. We're diluting them. We're compromising them and so forth. When the Israelites left Egypt and, there was, and they, 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 they slaughtered the lamb and painted the doorpost and the lintel with the blood, the Lord told them how they prepared the, 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 the meat before they should eat it. And he gave them this instruction. He said to them, when you slay the lamb, you are to prepare it in fire. You mustn't eat it raw and you must not boil it. And that lamb is a representation of the word of God. And when we take the word of God, we've got to, we, we have to receive it the way God instructed us to receive it. With fire. We mustn't boil it which means to dilute it. We mustn't eat it raw because the letter kills. We must consume it through the fire. And the fire of consuming the word of God is the Holy Spirit. So when we read the word of God through the lens of the spirit, we can understand what God is saying. Unfortunately, the world is either doing one of many different things. It's doing what the Philistines did by covering the wells of Abraham with earth. They put in earthly translations to the spiritual word of God. Or they are diluting the word of God by boiling it. That everything, you can do whatever you want with, with whoever you want. And that's acceptable, which is, which is an anathema to the word of God. Or you can consume it with, with, through the Holy Spirit. And that's the way we choose to do so, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise God. So you see, uh, Paul tells we walk by faith and not by sight. We trust God on the journey. I pray today you're trusting God because God has something great for you on this day. That he wants to empower you, enrich you, bless you, and cause you to prosper. To be a blessing not just to yourself, but to other people. Because Abraham's blessing was not just for himself. The Lord said to Abraham, I'll bless those who bless you. Praise God. So as we're blessed and other people bless us, we bless them. And it goes on, continues, goes on. It's like a ripple effect. And ultimately, other people around us are blessed in abundance, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And God wants to make the barren fruitful. And if the world rejects you, God accepts you. Praise God. God works with, with, with everything that's rejected, the downcast. That's the word of God declares. Please read your Bibles and you see what I'm saying to you. Put it, put, it in a, put it in a frame and you see things will be completely different. You know, God accepts those who are rejected. Amen. Praise God. You know, Jacob, when he was working for Laban, um, uh, Leah and uh, Rachel's uh, father... And he wanted to marry Rachel, who was the younger. And he said to him, he said, if you want to marry Rachel, you have to work for me for seven years. And after the seven years, you'll have her as your bride. And he said he consented to that. He says, yeah, I'll work for you for seven years. Just imagine working. Today, we, would, we don't wait a night before we go into a relationship. We fast track and want to wait a night. And he says, yes, I will do. And he worked seven years, and those that the custom knows that the wedding service was not a ceremony like we have today. The consummation of, 
or between the physical consummation between a man and a woman constitutes the wedding, the wedding. And the husband didn't have, was not, was not privy, could not see the bride until the wedding night, until he went to the, 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 the chamber, the wedding chamber. So he consented. He goes into the chamber. The bride is veiled. They start... It's like a horror movie, yes. <laughs> Don't know what's happening. He ends up, finds out, it's not Rachel he received, it's Leah, the older one. Can you imagine? Because in Israel, you, the, the younger could not get married until the older daughter was married. And he ended up, having, ended up with, with the one he didn't want. And he despised her. He didn't like her. He hated her to a certain extent. But he says, look, can I have Rachel? He says, well, work for me another seven years. Can you imagine working for seven years and another 14 years? We give up in a week. Swiping. Yeah. But what I, the reason I'm saying this is because the Bible tells us that uh, Leah was despised, disliked. And it says because of that, he blessed her and she was fruitful. Whereas Rachel was barren, but she conceived and bore a child. I wish I'm speaking to someone. And those that are rejected, God accepts and God blesses. Praise God. And that's, what, that's, the, that's the way God inter, interacts with, with, with the world. It doesn't, it, God hasn't got the, the worldly kind of way of looking at things. His ways are not our ways. Praise God. When we think we can understand God, he does something that blows our mind. He's unconventional. If you, he uses a donkey to speak. Yeah? He speaks through the burning bush, a fire. Today we wouldn't even accept these kind of ways that God is speaking to us. Because if someone came to you today and said to you, my donkey spoke to me. <laughs> Come on. They'll be certified as insane. But yet God transcends that. He does things that we cannot always understand. So Genesis chapter 29 verse 31 says this, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, we say no one loves me. Let me tell you, that's a false statement. God loves you. We loved him because he first loved us. People say, I'm not loved. Look, God loves you. It's more important for God to love you. God's love is consistent. It's constant. People's love is superficial, shallow. They'll love you today and hate you tomorrow. They'll love you today and use you tomorrow. And when you outlive their use, they'll get rid of you and get something else. I wish I'm speaking to someone. He says, uh, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he says, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. God blessed and made her fruitful and blessed and prospered her. I wish... So it's, it's a full statement to say, I am unloved. Let me tell you, if you feel nobody in the world, let me tell you, God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You know, often say, I'm alone. You're not alone. When the disciples betrayed Jesus, he says, I'm alone. But he says, Father, I'm not alone because you are with me. 
And when you wake up your spiritual uh, uh, consciousness, if you like, spiritual identity, your spiritual reality, you know you can never be alone. There are more for you than those against you, praise God. Hallelujah. But you see, every narrative, every inclusion of being barren in the scripture, God it comes to a conclusion to say, and they conceived, and they, and they were fruitful. Samson's mother, Moniah's wife, who's not mentioned by name, she was barren. And they prayed, and the angel of the Lord appeared and blessed them and said, you'll conceive. And, get, and see what came up, what was the fruit of, of, of her barrenness was Samson, one of the judges of Israel. Look at Elizabeth. Zachariah's wife, the cousin of Mary, she was barren, an old age, and yet it's not the time. It's about being in God, God's right time. If something hasn't happened for you, you're expecting now, just trust the process, trust God, and you'll get the outcome, which is best for you, and not just for you, for people around you. I wish. Hallelujah. God has so much for us, I believe, as, as, as people. So God wants to bless you. Hallelujah. But life is not without its challenges, but it's the wisdom is to understand those challenges are the signposts to get us to a better place. And I was speaking about Joseph last week, people were thinking about Joseph, what he went through. Joseph, hallelujah. And we see that his brothers betrayed him. They were half-brothers. They had the same father, but different mother. And they wanted to kill him because they were envious of him. Blessed. He was blessed. But they were envied. he was hated. But that hate, God loves you even if the world hates you. Amen. Leah was unloved, but God loved her. Amen. So there's no excuses for us. We need to come to the word of God, come in our prayers and seek the Lord, praise God. And things change. And when... And when uh, they put him into the waterless pit, they put him to the, 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 the waterless pit and they wanted to kill him. But then Judah cries out. You know, when you have a Judah means praise. When you have a problem, if you want to get out of a situation, praise will get you out of jail. Praise will safeguard you. Praise will make a way for you. So Judah cries out, let's not kill him. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. To, to the, the, the nomads, so they sold him into slavery. And I said this before, the Ishmaelites were the offspring of, of Abraham. Because when Abraham had Hagar, she had a son called Ishmael. And that was the lineage, that was his descendants, the Ishmaelite people, praise God. And we see sometimes God turns a mistake and makes it something good. It was Abraham's mistake that saved Joseph. Sometimes your mistake, God will turn it around to help you with that mistake. If it's a genuine mistake done, in an, somehow in, an, in a way without really thought, thinking about it. And he'll turn things around. He'll turn it for the good. Something that was meant for evil, God will mean it for good. That was the conclusion that Joseph came to. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So it doesn't matter what you go through. God's going to turn it around today for your betterment, for the good. So let's not complain let's celebrate let's praise hallelujah praise God hallelujah you know in the scripture there's a Hebrew word where it says um, in, in Genesis where it says God uh, it says Adam knew Eve 
and she conceived and bore a son. Yeah? He knew Eve and she conceived. The word Eve implies intimacy. The word new implies intimacy. And it's the same root word that is used for praise and worship. Because when you're praising and worship, God wants intimacy with you. Yeah? You know, when we come to church, we sing songs and we, th- we have a, like a gauge. Uh, uh, so w- w- I prefer this song or this type of singing, things like this. Well, the thing is, you don't sing for you to like them, the song. You sing for God. You don't sing because it's popular in the charts for you. You sing because you want to please him. You want to sing praises to the Lord. You want that intimacy with God. So when you're praying, God wants an intimacy with each one of you when you're praising him. In the same way that Adam knew Eve. And that intimacy, God wants that intimacy in your praise and your worship. Ah, praise God. And God brings us to this place where he says, I want to bring the the barren to sing, to praise intimate in an intimate way. And that's why in Isaiah, let me just, I'm going to finish very shortly. In Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1, this is what he says. He says this, Isaiah begins by saying, sing, praise in that intimate way with me, O barren. If you think today, if you come to a place, a uh, 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 juncture or a milestone or a threshold in your life that there's challenges that you're facing, you're looking toward now. All I will ask you is to praise in that intimate way with God. Leave the rest in his hands. This battle, you don't have to fight in this battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. Don't fight in battles that God hasn't, that, that God hasn't taken you to. Because if he's taking you to them, he's going to get you through them. Praise God. Hallelujah. He says, sing, O Baron, this is what I want to leave you, ACC, and people watching it live on live stream today. This was the last. This is the this one. I leave you as your portion for today, if you want to accept it. It's your choice. What did we say? Power of the word. You can accept it or reject it. I pray you will accept this 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 declaration for you today, in and through your lives. Watch this. Sing, O Baron, you who have not born. If you haven't been fruitful, you haven't achieved what you feel is your portion, or you should achieve. Watch this. Watch this space. Break forth into singing. Praise. Adam knew Eve, intimacy, and she conceived. Judah means praise. Yeah? Praise in an intimate way. Do we have praise? People want to shout of praise today. Hallelujah. In that intimate way with God. Hallelujah. He will never leave you or forsake you. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. And it says, you have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Hallelujah. You become fruitful. You're going to conceive and bear fruits, bear the virtues of the Spirit of God. Verse, verse 2, very quickly, very quickly. Enlarge the tent of the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not despair. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Verse 3, very quickly. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. There's enlargement, there's growth, spiritual growth today. As you open up in God and allow God to impact your lives and your praise in the Lord, you're going to grow, you're going to be enlarged. Hallelujah, spiritually. 
Hallelujah. You become powerful in the, in the, in the spiritual realm. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a phrase in Greek that says, Kyrie eleison. Okay, Kyrie eleison. It says, Lord, have mercy. But if you look at the etymology of the word, eleison, the Greek word eleison, it doesn't mean have pity on me. It means empower me to accomplish. Because the root word, root word comes from the elation is the oil of anointing that empowers the prophets. Because when King David was anointed, he became a powerful force to be reckoned with. My cup runneth over, pray. You anoint my head with oil and my cup run. You wasn't pitying me, you were empowering me to achieve and to accomplish all that you have called me to do. So when I went through the valley of the shadow of death, I knew you were with me because I went there to have some victories. There was some business I needed to do in the valley for the people, the valley dwellers, and I've come down into the valley to bring them the light of hope and salvation in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And today we've come to the valley of ACC to say, Lord, he's going to have mercy, going to empower you, equip you for the journey ahead that you'll leave leaving here more than conquerors you're leaving here in a different way than you came in you'll be transformed body soul and spirit if you allow God to work in your life don't leave him outside the door and knocking open the door and giving him central seat place in your in, in, in your in your in your own house in your own place in your own room as we give him the praise and glory in Jesus name hallelujah let's stand together